Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Audio Dev Hangout. Uh, my name is Andrew Hind, and today I have Jordan Hastings with me from Astro Dreamer, Stu- Astro Dreamer Studio. Hi, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me on today, Andrew. Uh, absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment and uh, what you're working on. So uh, at the moment, one, we're surviving, and two, we're trying to make a, a game studio. And uh, that starts with the basis of the last nine months where we're trying to build out this open world exploration sci-fi game uh, where we're trying to entice players into solving puzzles, meeting weird and wacky characters, and uh, just having a good time in general. <laughs> <laughs> the, the game is uh, sci-fi. We're taking elements of the 60s and we're blending that in with the setting of uh, sort of the wilds of Scotland. So we're taking that sort of Jurassic Park abandoned place after many, many years. So you're going through in and out of this uh, decrepit science facility uh, set in Scotland. So um, and the, the, the music for it itself is, is inspired by... Um, like a lot of Scottish folk music with a lot of weird sci-fi stuff uh, from from sort of Hans Zimmer and uh, uh, I'm just trying to think who else. Danny Elfman is another person where we're taking okay. little bits of spice from. So yeah, that that is a whole package. That's what we're doing. That, that is a massive thing to unpack, isn't it? And actually, <laughs> yeah. that's because uh, I, I love how your game, I haven't heard any of the music, but I love how it looks because you do have, I hadn't really thought about it. It is the sort of Jurassic Park, 10 years yeah. on type look, isn't it? It looks amazing. But you, then you've got like VW camper vans in there and old Vespa scooters and things or your mm. take on them, haven't you? So give it that 60s, that 60s vibe, which is really, really cool. Yeah. How, how on earth, going to the music then, how on earth do you get Scottish folk music mixed with Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman? How does that work? Or how, do, how on earth do you as a studio talk to a composer and say, this is what we want? How do you, how do you sort of get to that stage? Well, the, the story of how it kind of came down is uh, I was looking for, for a bunch of composers or, or musicians, and, and the, the one person we kind of fell down was was uh, a friend, Sam, who I'd worked on a, on a previous title with. Uh, his he, he does sort of heavy metal and, and folk music on the side. So mm-hmm. uh, when it came down to, you know, when, when I'm building this world and I'm kind of crafting what I'm thinking, I, I have just a continuous... Uh, you know, many, many soundtracks from different films and games playing in the background because it just helps uh, yeah. good, you know, get rhythm of work. Um, yeah, yeah. So so from that, it was what songs really spoke out of that lot that we can lift up and, and place into what I'm thinking. So, you know, when you're strolling down this beach or when you're figuring out these puzzles, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like uh, how George Lucas, when he was creating the original star wars he took you know world war ii footage and and laid over you know some people just talking and stuff Mm -hmm. so it kind of gives that sort of perspective on shots and composition this is how i felt when i was trying to lay up composition of of audio essentially so so this is how i and then we kind of boil it down to the essentials and, and construct it out from there when it comes to the soundtrack wow so big big process do you do you so 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 you would you would actually listen to stuff you you've got like clear sort of tracks in your mind that would fit particular moods or particular points in the game presumably so yeah. you've you've already got a soundtrack sort of in your mind as you're creating and sculpting the sort of journey through the game in 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 a conceptual form i suppose is that what yeah. you say yeah essentially but it's more than that it's more like a when I'm talking about, okay, so the character is going to be walking 
mm-hmm. out and about. So we need something that sounds sort of ponderful and mysterious. Yeah. So I started pointing our, our um, Sam in, in the direction of the likes of uh, the, I'm just trying to think what it's called, uh, a little bit like some of the softer music and Stranger Things, yeah. uh, Tales from the Loop, how it's just soft piano and yeah. little bits of synth. Uh, so stuff like that, which then we're like, okay, that's the core essentials of this music. How do we take that and add our own flair and twist and s- sort of make it our own thing? Yeah. So essentially, we're almost learning on the fly what makes this music specifically work, mm-hmm. um, which is totally out of my league. <laughs> I mean, with starting up a whole business in a studio, um, everything has to be broken down i mean i don't know accounting or legal um but i've always gone down to okay what's the basics what am i trying to learn here what's the core essential that i can walk away with and know a considerable amount um so that i mean it's just the way we've learned in university to kind of tackle projects like this not many courses kind of do this kind of learning which is more like yeet you out the door and, uh, mm-hmm. and you do all your own research so I, I find that 50% of what we're doing at the studio is is doing research and, and learning as we go so yeah wow um and that's yeah that's a, that's a, a huge steep learning curve it's just like a map but actually I think a lot of people do that's the way you learn you find find out your own way of learning and actually rather than being told how to do stuff finding forging your own way and uh, forging your own sort of style of doing things I guess isn't it of course, yeah. So, just, so tell me a bit more about the the process of getting music to Sam. So, he, does it does he sort of you, you say okay, well, we want this, but I want it to sound like this and have this sort of elements. Does he then go away and come back to you with like sort of finished stuff, or does he come back to you with ideas that you bat around between you, so, or, or how does that work? So the way it normally works is he'll play about with, uh, you know, playing about with uh, synths or mm-hmm. specific uh, rhythmic stuff on, <laughs> I'm just trying to think what, what specific music uh, stuff he uses. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I don't specifically know. Um, but we'll, we'll play stuff on piano. We'll play stuff on guitar. Uh, like there will be points where he'll do his own exploration and come up with melodies and themes and, um sort of baseline oh, so you're doing it literally hands-on then together in the same room or virtually and or, in real time so there'll be some times where he he uh does some freestyle stuff by mm-hmm. himself and then i'll i'll come over and i'll just see all this you know instruments lying about okay. yeah, <laughs> and yeah. all the madness will be on the screen he's like this is yeah. what i'm thinking yes, um, yes, and yes. then we'll we'll start i i think the the most difficult thing about music and what which i appreciate is I think there's a certain level of confidence you have to have to be like, I think this needs this tweak and that tweak. Um, And I think uh, having someone else there, especially as an artist for myself that does 3D and 2D drawing, like I need other people to help kind of um, curve out the the correct direction to go. Uh, And I think Sam's uh, still kind of developing as an artist and, and still building up his own confidence. Uh, but yeah, it more people help. I think, I think, I think often that's something that we don't do. I think there's a, there's the, I think there's a perception of the artist, whether it's a composer or a artist, artist or whatever in their ivory tower, just sort of sitting there in the dark almost. And, you know, yeah. you create something and out it goes. And that's just not, 
how it is. And I think, yeah, the, the whole idea of collaboration is very exciting. Actually, the, the way that you talk about working as well, actually just trying things out and batting things backwards and forwards. So, mm. so, so inspiring when compared with sitting on your own and wondering if it's right or not, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the, the never ending conundrum. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, uh, I, I think the, all, the other difficult thing that can be presented is, you know, instead of making a piece of music that has, you know, w we need it to be modular as well. Mm -hmm. So we even need to take like a programmer approach of, you know, being able to separate out the music um, yeah. in specific melodies. So it's totally different um, yeah. than, than the way you would normally kind of compose music as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm learning that as I'm sort of doing it. Do you see, do you, do you think in that way, maybe more, more naturally than Sam does that? He has a, has a metal background, so he's going to be thinking <laughs> in sort of blocks of sound. I can imagine how that would work. And I suppose mm. to a certain extent, folk song, if he's into sort of folk music, is slightly different in its structure. But, but yeah, I think most experienced musicians think in a, a sort of linear way, I think. Do you, do you yeah. think that you think, are you are you listening in or, or when you're experimenting, thinking in a totally different way, thinking, well, actually, this bit might fit when we do this, then we could add this and it could go and the intensity could like increase or something like that. Or you're thinking in loops more and, you know. How it is. I, no, you know, you know, it's good. It's the way you're describing it, I've never really thought about it this way. But yeah, the way he's always thinking about it is the whole music overall. Yeah. And the way I've always tried to combat it is... I'm looking at each line of like the bass line, the synth, mm -hmm. the piano, the mm -hmm. uh, overtune, like the little flares of weird little uh, mm -hmm. music coming in. So I'm thinking it more as a um, horizontally where, oh, sorry, more, more vertically where I'm yeah. like, okay, when, you know, this person's entered this building, we can add, you know, these few lines, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm always thinking of the looping aspect. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. So, so that is what we're we're battling it. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's a really hard one, or I found that's a really hard one because I, I, I can sort of do it now, but it, but yeah, I I think a lot of musicians, or I particularly when I'm writing music, I, I I I will listen through from start to end, and I'm thinking about the sort of emotional experience of the listener, sort of mm. the hard peaks and troughs and the journey, if that makes sense. But actually, when you're writing for writing a lot of game music particularly if it's dynamic game music you, there is no journey well there is a journey but you don't have control yeah. over the journey <laughs> and, and, you know you 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 write in a totally different way like you say what happens when the door opens and they go in there and this little yeah. bit be added and that so and so forth in, in yeah. thinking in a very modular way which is actually quite exciting but it's i find it quite challenging i have to say in, in some of my one of the game i always go back to and i always refer to even for some of the the music and stuff is is i always think of halo 3 mm -hmm. um if you've never heard of the soundtrack by mario o'donnell it's just so wonderful and mm -hmm. and there's just points where you're just walking through and it'll play something so soft and then they'll probably be like i don't know you come across like a, a dead mariner or something just slumped up at the corner with like a you know in a, in a messy scene and you're hearing like barks of aliens in the background and then it starts playing like dum da 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 dum da 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 dum mm -hmm. and it's just playing you in so there's clearly like physical uh barriers that you're passing that will trigger like yeah. another sequence of, yeah. of music to flare up and then as soon as it you know you actually get into combat then it starts bringing the clashes and the the little uh, flicks of violin and stuff like that so mm -hmm. um it's spectacular just just 
that whole game uh if, if there's anything you ever wanted to know about how to develop a game that's when i always find myself going back Ma- master class in game development yes yeah. yeah and how how then so how are you how do you actually how are you actually getting the music into the game and into the game itself in the, via the game engine how are you plugging it in and making it work where it should work so the engine we're using is unreal yeah. um unreal 4 2.6 insert a trillion numbers here yes, um <laughs> <laughs> but uh we are using a plugin called fmod yep. so i don't know how it works from my end but uh <laughs> okay. i know i know that's, how it sounds that, that's, when that's in really the, uh, cool because I, I, I thought, because I know a bit about, about FMOD, he said putting his hand up, looking like an expert, so I'm not really, because, I, because it does work in a quite a musical way. And I sort of assumed mm. that, okay, everybody in the whole game world knew how to do FMOD. There's a number of developers don't even know what FMOD is, which I find, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get sort of, I assumed that people on your end, so let's say the technical end, would would know how to use fmod or not but it's a totally separate entity yeah I, I think for us like every day i'm jumping on and i'm building up you know the, the whole world whether it's like the interiors of building exterior mm. like how we're talking about vehicles and you know characters so the, my end is is chock-a-block of yeah, everything yeah. i've got to take care of yeah and uh more and more uh, as we're kind of uh, clum- closing up this final third of the project, you know, we're, inter- and we're interacting with the programmers on a daily basis, finding out, you know, <laughs> that some art stuff doesn't specifically line up with yeah. some programming stuff, like literally measurements are incorrect because right. on the art side of things, there's not a lot of measurement systems. Um, when it comes to the music side of things, I'm sure we'll be able to, to, to delve in more and understand a lot of those systems. So I'm looking forward to, to really getting into all that because it's all part of the polish. You know, stuff when we're walking along by the sea or by river or in through forest, there's like um, these audio points in the world uh, that'll be continuously playing and, and layering on and layering off as you kind of come in and out of environments. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to learning a lot more. And is that, so it sounds like the music, the audio is going to go in quite late. Is that right? You said it's part of the polish. Is it, do you do you view it as literally being the sort of icing on the cake then, or does it come in a bit sooner? No, I would say it's quite essential. So uh, as I said, this is kind of like the last third. So mm-hmm. we've got kind of three months to get in uh, like uh, final assets. So this mm-hmm. is final music, final puzzles, and mm-hmm. just so content complete within the last three months. And then everything after that is, is more polishing right. for the next two months while we try yeah, yeah, yeah. pinpoint a deadline. Um, but yeah. So let me ask you about how, how you work with Sam with, with, um, with FMOD then. So, because I haven't got this far yet with what I'm doing. I'm working on a couple of projects at the moment. So it's sort of going into prototype, but I've written quite a lot of music, but we haven't got down to the nitty gritty of the implementation of it yet. How, um, so from our point of view, it's relative, I, I, FMOD is actually relatively straightforward once you get into it, if you know how a computer, a DAW works, which is what most composers are going to be writing their music mm-hmm. on. It works in a fairly similar way, I think. with my relatively superficial knowledge um and it integrates with the game with with as you say with trigger points now how do you communicate that between you do you how how do you 
because you don't know how fmod works and presumably sam doesn't understand really how unreal works but that may not be the case oh he uh, no he he worked he understands oh, unreal he? in a that very 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 wonderful way so that, <laughs> that that bridges the gap so, okay. so everyone uh essentially has their own one third of the pie between the uh um artists the programmers yep. and the audio guys mm -hmm. so it always does meet in that middle um so so we're never too worried uh, and most of the time uh a lot of the programmers will be more involved in the engine and they'll actually okay. implement a lot of uh fmud stuff so even yeah, then a lot right. of our programmers mm -hmm. you know coding guys uh, are, are actually a lot more familiar with with fmod than than some actual artists on our right. side Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The visual artists. Yes, <laughs> we need yes, to make yes, distinctions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, that must help. That must help an awful lot. So, how many? How many are in the team, and how long have you been going for? So, uh, we are. We hover between about seven and ten people. Okay. Um, and there's probably like three of us that are like full time, all around mm -hmm. the clock, working on stuff. Um, we just got approved for Kickstarter, so we're going to be taking on uh, a few actual paid people, which is wonderful. Um, and hopefully with our game launching in March ish, I say ish, <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't want a, an audience member to quote me. Uh, I say ish, uh, but after that point, when we start getting more stable, then we can start bringing on, uh, staff. So this is like the other side of things, which is all the, the businessy elements that I have to, well, I've already researched and stuff. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> so yes. that's it's just a whole big bouncing wow game. that's big so, so you i mean you've got a you've got a big vision you've got a big plan for this then it sounds like the the game release in march is sort of the starting point and then things will develop from from there do you do you actually could I don't go into detail but can i ask do, do you have do you have like a business plan that you started from when did you start nine months ago did you say nine months ago have you got like had... a sort of five-year plan for this or something similar so the way i kind of see it is normally about two or three-ish projects ahead so when we initially planned this, we kind of forecasted roughly about end of the year, yeah. hopefully based on how many people we had. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the the three months push to sort of March as a release, I think is, is comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, we're always kind of looking at... Uh, we we're, we're always got projects in the back of our mind. It's just which one's right for the time based on our circumstances. So if we release a game and it doesn't do uh, am amazing within a certain time period, like it, we know the numbers specifically. So if it hit, uh, you know, uh, across March to summerish, across those few months, we would know what kind of game we would need to immediately start working on. Right. So uh, we've got games planned that would take probably about four months uh, to about a year based on our income. Because mm -hmm. if our income is low, then we make the short game. Yeah. If the income yeah. is larger, then you know we can wait on it. If the income is yes. amazing, we're just gonna make <laughs> we're just, we're gonna make a Bonnie Odyssey too. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think uh, for ourselves as a as a starter out developer, I think and being in, in tons of other studios, I think supporting our, our staff and our team is, is so, so vital. Um, and just making sure that we can kind of support people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you feel so, so much responsibility. I, I can imagine um, you must do. Yes, absolutely. 
and yeah. with the best will in the world with any sort of relatively new business that you know it, it, there is instability and unpredictability isn't there and I can imagine the responsibility or the weight of responsibility yeah. of that can, can weigh quite heavy do you do you how, how so you choose you would choose what to do next based on success of the previous game on income and financial position etc cetera, etc cetera. can you do you create a game just because you want to create it or do you do you do something because you can see a gap in the market how do you decide because obviously yeah. it's got to be a financial proposition as well as a um artistic for sure one. so there's a certain leeway between art and data so when we started mm -hmm. out this project um you know there was uh, a kind of gap for a more uh, thoughtful, uh, artistic, narrative-driven puzzle game. So mm -hmm. we were taking inspiration from The Witness. Uh, we were taking inspiration from Portal. And mm -hmm. we were kind of saying that there's nothing really filling out that, you know, right now. Um, and in, like, the last few years, you know, there's little bits and bobs that come close. And then we also kind of wanted to see our own sort of vision for the game laid out in a specific style. Mm. So there's always these unique selling points. Uh, I mean, even when we're considering, you know, the next game, uh, we have to consider sort of timing, what kind of specialists we have. So like when we finish this, some elements of this current uh, game will be finished in December and we've got scriptwriter that won't have anything to do for another wee while so you know and there's some artists that are 2d in concept that'll also have to go off and start stuff and same with the the musician if we start them off early mm -hmm. so if we have you know those kind of a 2d artist a uh, musician a writer then we can make some sort of narrative uh 2d uh sort of much more oriented audio oriented game so so this is how you can kind of line things up it's like okay then what kind of uh world can we apply this onto so i mean uh like for our second game if if things went you know totally fine i think what we would look at is is maybe tackling an ip so we'll have our own ip from what we've just created but i think what we want to do is delve into like um sort of free and open source IP. So stuff like okay. Lovecraftian yeah. um, or or just uh, other stuff that's fallen out of copyright that then we can take up, spice up and, and also just having that sort of backing of, uh, you know, I, I think we had aspirations to do something Lovecraftian uh, you know the the sort of dark world. I think a lot more people are are getting introduced to it with with more shows and more games. So yes, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like uh, our interpretation we can bring something to it. Whether we do something sort of dark, exploratory, uh, delving into the the depths of a detective's mind, going mm -hmm. through this uh, world that's melting with ooze, and mm -hmm. you know, he's seeing stuff you know yeah, one yeah. take it's a fish person second take it's just someone pushing a pram you know so i like that idea or we we can go down a totally different route which is i don't know some cthulhu dating simulator uh you know to totally like off the wall funny uh comical stuff but it's it's this kind of stuff that gets you kind of noticed um and it's not that we're wanting i mean we'd love to get noticed <laughs> yeah. but i think there's a lot of when you're making working on a project with passion you know when people are listening to music when they're 
uh, when they can visualize that world, they can bring it out so much better. Um, this is how like just some games just don't appeal because even off the bat, it was just designed to be a to be unique a selling yes, point. Yes, it has yes. to make this money and has yeah, to have yeah. this income. Um, yes. So yeah, we want to make projects driven by passion mm-hmm. and at least some sense that there is a market out there that'll buy something. So, okay, so, yeah. so so it's the creative and the passion sort of first, but yeah, you 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 have to have a sense that it's but but curving it with the, the yeah, yeah. slight business balancing sense, yeah. it with the business sense as well. I, yeah. think, I think that's absolutely right. Though. It's very difficult. So I, I write quite a lot of music for music libraries and and things like for, for um like sync licensing, and um, certainly in the early part of when I was writing, I would more or less write anything that, that came in and just sort of send it out and have a go. Um, but you you do get to the stage where you just stuff that you don't feel, just stuff that you just does, doesn't really flip your switch it, it, for whatever reason. It might sound perfectly fine, it's okay, but it's not quite got the heart and soul of something that you're really mm. passionate about or something that you just really know and love intimately. Yeah. Um, and you sort of learn that as you go along, I think. It's a really, really important thing, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. the, the other element is you're just a little bit more critical. You spend that extra two minutes to be like, I could go off. Mm. I could tweak mm. this thing. I could tweak this yeah. thing. I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's just, I don't know what it is, but it's it's that level of additional shine that you put on it that that kind of comes through. So, and, and also sort of knowing, like you said, oh, we we might do something a bit wacky that something gets attention. I think that's that's quite a difficult thing to do. You need to know your market mm. or know your niche or your genre really well in order to be able to do something that stands out in that as being a bit different or new or even a bit way out there and strange you know I think you have to know exactly exactly your stuff to be able to do that it's quite yes. hard you yeah. can't just be randomly crazy because that doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> no there, there there are some big big games out there that are just like oh, we're going to take this premise we're going to run with it and millions have gone into it it releases day one and it's it's dead on arrival because people were just like you know yeah, and yeah, marketing yeah. marketing is the exact same how you'll have you know adverts that are quite reasonable you know with like a little meerkat being like oh we're going mm-hmm. to the cinema and then you know five years down the line the marketing guys got a spicy up now the meerkat's <laughs> flying a plane <laughs> crashing it into the cinema you know yeah. um like the go compare guy he was like singing go compare mm-hmm. like all the adverts were batshit crazy five yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago and now yeah. you go into the coffee shop and there's go compare man it's like it's you know it's on this advert yeah. and just sips his coffee and it's it's just and <laughs> but insane. five years time from now he'll he'll be on like a space shuttle like screaming <laughs> as he plows into the moon like it's... yeah something like that <laughs> upping the ante all the time <laughs> yeah um yeah, no, and, <laughs> and it's, it, being weird can kind of uh you know get lost in a trillion other people trying to get weird so yeah uh, yeah it's, it's, it, make <laughs> keep your weirdness in check ladies and gentlemen that's yeah, what we're learning today that, that is the thing. <laughs> there's yeah. one takeaway keep your weirdness in check <laughs> yeah no definitely definitely um so where where do you see where where would you be in 10 years time ideally oh with all I, of i've this? had i've had the three years i've had the four years never yeah. 10 years <laughs> in, in 10 years uh i would love for us to have a studio you know like 50 people or so working on double a titles uh and really being uh sort of developers that have our own internal passions but also listening to what i would consider as a loyal 
you know, a uh, base of supporters of people that, you know, like following our adventures and our games that we're making and just build up a really good community. I, I also kind of, from my perspective, um, you know, with putting out our two jobs postings recently, we, our mailbox was decimated. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's uh, a real problem because, you know, in, in our class, uh, you know, when we finished Averte, there was probably probably 25% got hired. Mm-hmm. Um, 75% was just thrown out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fair enough to the guy that's, a hot, you know, at the top of the class, but the guy that's at the 75% mark or 70% mark that didn't get a job, some of their work is still stellar. Um, yes, yes. So, you know, I, I would love to sort of create uh some sort of uh bridge between employment uh, as part of our studio okay. whether it's like yep. some sort of smaller indie team that we mm-hmm. can kind of throw some funding at you know which gives people real world experience that's there's not got that possibility so from my experience that's uh, as you know really struggling to get a job and, and ending up in a studio and you know bouncing around a few places i mm-hmm. i think just that mid step between university and uh and working wow. you know is, is what i'd like to create if if i had all the money in the world we got yes. to make all the yeah, game yeah, titles yeah, we yeah, love yeah but that's, that... the, that's the amazing that was that was an amazing what you just said then because because uh, like i think it's easy to, in many ways easy to think what you'd be doing in two or three years time but actually to have that and you didn't even think about that to actually just have that 10 year sort of okay 10 years in an ideal world What's the saying? It's the, the big, big, what is it? The big, fat, hairy dream is this. <laughs> and you, you've got it. <laughs> yeah. And it's multifaceted and it's, and you, you know, you know where you're heading. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Really, really good. I, lo- I love that idea of the, um, the bridge. Yeah. Just the, the, the giving the opportunity to, as you say. Yeah. That, that stepping stone. With, with universities, they, that was one thing I always kept, you know, hitting the rail yeah. is, you know, when you're in film production school, you're making film product, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're actually make a student film, make a student film, make a student yes. film. And yeah, you're yeah. always working with team, 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 team. Yeah. And throughout university, you know, uh, they just never, there was one project for just a brief moment where right. they got you together and then you worked on your own. And I thought, you know, if you're, you know, continuously working in team projects and stuff, you mm. really have to, you know, as a professional, you know, I, I feel like it's it's so so necessary to to work as a team because yeah, no, it is absolutely. that, like we were speaking earlier, that that person that'll, uh, mm. you know, help. Hey, let's go in this direction. Hey, let's do this. Yeah. And and the thing is, when it comes to production, it's it's show business. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not show friends. <laughs> when when you get into the industry, you don't always have your own. Um, I want to make this art because it's always like, hey, here's a bunch of these vehicles we mm-hmm. need. Can you make them? And you're like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm going to follow this specific. So I think a lot more of the business production side and, and teamwork elements are, are just not getting taught in the way I felt should yes. have been taught. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a real shame that because you think it'd be totally fundamental because as you say, making a game is it's a team thing. Generally mm. speaking, of course, there's solo devs out there, but a lot of but there's a lot of 
sort of hell of a lot of studios where you've got teams of sort of six or eight or more, you know, you know, there's yeah. a, and, and actually communication is, is such a key, key thing and personability as well and adaptability, being flexible and not having let your ego get in the way, all these million and one things that you have to do to be a good team player. You, you would actually think that, it, that the university courses would, that would be yeah. sort of a fundamental part of their teaching, wouldn't you? Or experience. The way they always see it is individuals mm. uh, and sparking their creativity, which I'm not, I'm not squashing creativity. No, no, no. But there has to be like a, a line between uh, self-creativity and self-expression yeah. and uh, introducing the, the team element of where let's start taking yeah. this and that and, you know, back and forth. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the problem with uni is they always see you know they're always working on individual people and they're not mm. seeing as as uh, creating groups and stuff so yes, yeah yes yeah no i can see that it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you thank you so much that's flown by speeded through that um don't don't go away i've just just stay on so i'm going to finish the podcast now thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate it it's been really interesting chatting to you just just briefly before we go where can people find you i will put the links under underneath in the description but where's uh, the best place to so uh, so we have more? our so we have our twitter so that's a at astro dreamer underscore mm-hmm. and uh on facebook and instagram i'm pretty sure it's astro dreamer studio yeah and uh yeah uh, where that's where we're currently at and hopefully we'll have a discord full of other people uh also astro dreamer community and from there hopefully you'll see us on steam and we'll be yep. making our billions and having all our sales yachts you know we can we can dream we can dream <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on uh, andrew and thanks for everyone for listening so. absolute pleasure thanks so much bye-bye cheers bye-bye